We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. This is the Newcastle United versus Leeds United preview. This is the preview show that we do every single week on our Patreon platform. We are duplicating it this week and putting it out for free for you, the listeners around the world. If you like what you hear, get involved on Patreon. All of the shows are ad-free and it's only £5.50 a month for loads more of these podcasts. you got myself, Alex Hurst tonight, Norman Rennie, Simon Campbell. With me in the studio is Michael Carlin. And we're going to talk about the big game Friday night, Sky Sports, Carragher and Neville head to St James's Park and the world awaits um, what sigh could be Steve Bruce's last game do you think it's as simple as that do you think it's going to happen how do you see this one on Friday mate I, I had no idea we were even contemplating this could be his last game because I, I do not believe that the uh, the club hierarchy would pull the trigger that early even though we can all see that it's the end it is the end of a Steve Bruce Um it's a good question. I think it, it, it very much could be a deciding factor. Um, and I think Lee Charlie might be scrolling through his two-page black book for like the three names he's got left that he's not called before uh, to take the job. But yes, I, I like the Southampton game. I feel like the crowd will will start positively because that's what Newcastle crowds do, especially on a Friday night um, against Leeds at home, which we haven't had many of. Um, I think that the crowd will be positive. I think it'll be buzzing. And I think if Newcastle start that game well, which isn't beyond the realm of possibility, you could get away with it for a bit longer. I think whoever scores the first goal will ultimately sway the crowd one way or the other. Now, the Southampton game was was really weird in this way because the first half was poor. We were poor. but And there were some anti-Steve Bruce chants. And I would say maybe three, 4,000 people. I just did a Steve Bruce. Maybe three, four, five, six thousand people. Um, <laughs> so let's say three. 3,000 people. It was basically the corner. I wouldn't say anyone else in the stadium was really getting involved at that point. Um, and at halftime, there were some boos. But probably no more boos than your bog-standard nil-nil at home to Burnley situation. You know, it's fairly common. I don't know, sorry. From, from, from the TV, there were there were kind of loud, the boos at, at halftime. Like, 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 like really loud and it was audible audible i'm just i'm just saying i don't think there's lots of videos there's lots of videos knocking around on youtube and stuff of lads and lasses in level seven singing bruce out people in the leases singing bruce out like maybe maybe listen you at the match you you, you've got the bird's eye view the 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 front and center view and i'm consuming it at the time through cypriot tv who who can we trust (laughs) we'll leave that to the listener to decide 
Well, to be fair, I'd imagine the Cypriot football pundits don't have any bias towards Steve Bruce, so they were just letting the real sound <laughs> come out for once. So maybe. Uh, no, just, just my interpretation of being in the corner. I, th- I felt like it was only really... Um, and it, there was a period where it got quite bad for Bruce um, t- towards the end of the first half because we were so poor. Uh, and there were boos at halftime. I'm just saying that I've heard that boo a hundred times over and it wasn't like an end of days kind of halftime boo. Um, and then we scored and then the crowd just went straight back to get in this as class because Newcastle are winning at home. And again, we've just not had enough of that for, for several years. So I just think that it could be the same. It could be the same if we can start positively because the crowd will be, be pissed, it'll be buzzing. There'll be a, a, a good energy that's his to take if we can just not be terrible. And then if we are terrible again after half an hour or so, and if they get the first goal, then that is could be the catalyst for some seriously toxic turn of events. This is the thing, right? Ne one gans the match intent on booing or kicking off or creating a toxic atmosphere immediately, right? Because ultimately we are going the match because we want to see our team win, Reid. Exactly. So you're going there and regardless of how bad the team is, I mean, there have been occasions when I've, I've walked into the stadium, now and that will lose, right? But even then, most of the time, if I walk up the steps, if I get in the stadium, if I see my mates, if I see the players, if I see the crowd, you know, the pitch, you do get that optimism, Reid. So you, you kind of, that that moment in time, it kick off, you more or less forget about the whole kind of maelstrom that's going on around it. Right? You're just there. It's just the match. It's 11 versus 11. They're all in the Premier. They're all in the same division, right? They're all supposedly on a level playing field. So that all those kind of thoughts that we have right now about Bruce, the will temporarily be put on the back burner, right? And if we take the lead, of course, then the optimism just doubles. You're excited. You're happy you've scored. You want your team to win. You're not going to start booing Bruce. You take a one-nil lead. It's just not going to happen. Um, but obviously, as the game pans out, you know, if we take the lead and they equalise and we see the old familiar feelings come up back in, or if they take the lead, we see the old familiar feelings again. Of course, of course, it's going to switch like that. And that's the, that's what it is at the minute, right? Everything at the moment is on a knife's edge, isn't it? It's not like, um, let's see another previous manager, right? A lot of the time, we went a goal behind another previous manager. That happened. But it didn't immediately trigger this huge wave of, right, we've lost. That's it, we're done. So the crowd would kind of stay with it and stay with the players. However, under Bruce... I do feel that if we go goal doing, or if we take the lead and they equalise, then it will. Or if we just play like you know, like play like we normally do, which is pretty miserable. Um, I do think that we'll start to hear some rumblings, and they might get more significant than against Southampton. The only thing that might drown them out ever slightly is that Leeds will be back by a gigantic following, unlike Southampton, and uh, they may well join, uh, drown us out anyway. That's quite a good point, Norman. I hadn't thought about that. I. I... Slightly disagree with you because of the nature of the meltdown this week and the fact that it's been played out against and in the Chronicle. It affects more people than the usual meltdowns that happen pretty much on Twitter only and only affects you know a, a small percentage of the fan base. I I think there'll be a decent number of people going to the grounds with the expectation that we're going to get on the managers back from from the first minute this time. I think I think it's different and I, I think that'll only be exacerbated by the fact that everyone's going to be mortal because it's another mental Friday night game. So I, I think we might see a really hostile crowd from from the start. No, I, I think, uh, so for Southampton, we gave him about half an hour. I think he's got maybe 10 minutes. And if it's rubbish after 10 minutes, I think that's when it turns. I still think Norman's right. Most people who go at the match 
probably don't read the Chronicle for a start, so they probably don't know that he's had a meltdown at the Chronicle. Uh, this is still a, a, a minority, in my opinion, that know the real politics of what's going on with Steve Bruce. Most people just want to go and watch Game of Footy, but I think the the um, the patience is wearing thin for even the most like placid of match goes. And I think after ten minutes, if if the vocal parts of the crowd start to turn. Then I think he's he's at a point now where he ha- he ha- we will, there'll be thousands more than there were last time, and it will be really really evident. And I don't think people will wait half now. I think we're, if we're as rubbish as we have been at the start of nearly every game, um, it's it'll 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 turn very fast. But I agree with Norman, and th- that was my original point. There, there will be some positivity come kick off at eight, at eight o'clock for, at home on a Friday night when everyone's pissed. It's it's inevitable. Mickey, you're you're one of the greatest examples. You, you get so optimistic pre-game because uh, we all do it and, and uh, I just uh, I can't see it being any different for given that this is still only the third home game after such a long time out well yeah it's Wednesday night now and I'm not I'm not remotely optimistic or positive at all but but get me to seven o'clock on Friday when I've had five pints after sneaking <laughs> off from work earlier then maybe maybe I'll feel different I guess I can I can almost count myself as a barometer because I I am absolutely furious with the way things have gone this week and I think it's I think it's the final straw, or it has to be the final straw, and I think the crowd will make that known on Friday. And you know, whether or not it takes half an hour is almost irrelevant. I don't want to get into it too much, but I don't think we're getting anything from this game on Friday. And and I think the the hostile reaction to the manager is inevitable. And you know, if it's a matter of time or not, I, I don't really care. And and I'm 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 almost looking forward to him getting it because I think he deserves it. Have you just admitted to um, in front of uh, someone that you work with and possibly work for that you are sneaking off from work early on Friday? Because uh, I would say <laughs> that's a, a bad tactical move. That's a Bruce tactical move, that mate. You've just given <laughs> given your game away before the uh, match has even kicked off. What What I find interesting, and this is very, you know, Sai, you've said there that you think you might get ten minutes, and and, and you've all kind of come to that agreement that the the fans in the ground as long as they see something that constitutes something like some sort of performance or result, they'll stay off Bruce. That's interesting because you've had Bruce have a minor meltdown against Southampton and, you know, blame, almost call the fans out by saying that it's the press that are misleading fans. So insulting, we talked about it, and there was a full short paper in this week about that between Mickey and Adam, about Bruce's post-match comments. But it just, it just, it, like the scene is set for me. Leeds tore apart twice last season um, for large spells anyway in the home game. And then there was classic Bruce uh, positives from that defeat. I just read the match report on BBC today from the home defeat to Leeds in um, January this year. And you, ba- you just copy and paste from any other defeat. Copy and paste those quotes from the... Um, the West Ham home defeat. A um, lot of positives, a lot of encouragement in defeat to a newly promoted side. Um, so it's like, you know, Leeds, are, we're going to talk a little bit tactically in part two of the show about the game and about who's going to play and all that kind of stuff. But there's there's going to be 50,000 there at least. I don't think it'll sell out, but there's, there's they've probably already sold 50,000 tickets for this one. So you've got, I mean, you know, Leeds bringing 2,000 more than Southampton, but let's ignore for, for a minute Leeds fans being in the ground potentially. You've got another kind of 6,000 at least Newcastle fans in the ground, um, and 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 you you've had journalists saying that fans are wasting their time, they're howling at the moon. All of that just seems to lead to me to, to feel it could be an untenable situation. I think a lot of people have said, and probably quite rightly, that against Southampton, if Southampton had scored, 
in that opening half an hour, or even in the second half, if Southampton had scored first, the whole stadium would have turned. But that didn't happen. What I think what will happen this week would be will be yeah sorry let, let, even if even if we double your figure of three four thousand fans singing Bruce out against um, Southampton three thousand or, or most of the three thousand at Man United away there was discontent at um, Villa away there was a lot of booze at the end but even if you double that and say it was six thousand eight thousand Newcastle fans it's still a one in five minority of the people who were there but it. But it was loud, and it. I think it affected the players. And this is the thing that I don't get: the argument about, oh, they're never going to sack them. If the players stop playing, from if the players think that I can't compete in this environment when my own fans are booing the manager or demanding the manager out, it, it's an untenable situation. It's a situation I don't think I've ever seen before. And people use kind of false straw man arguments to talk about Pardew against Cardiff. It was last game of the season, and it was one game, and the team won three 0 so of course he was able to go into the next season after that. I, I can't think of another Premier League manager or manager at this level who has been able to survive sustained calls for his head at the start of a season when there was, despite what Bruce says, there's no sunshine on the horizon. This team are not getting better. It is, it is not true to suggest the team are getting better. I looked at the um, defeat at Leeds um, 5-2, Bruce called it schoolboy defending, amateurish. It's it's the same, you know, that was December 2020. These are the same issues that we're having at Man United. He's talking about bad defending. At Villary's talking about bad defending against West Ham. He's talking about bad defending. So I feel that with Norman, like you correctly say, with 3,000 Leeds fan there, with the timing of the kickoff, the situation, I don't know, Sai. I mean, I'll bring it back to you to finish part one, but I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be his last game because we could win the game, we could draw the game. But if we lose this game and we lose it badly, and I don't think that's, despite Leeds' form, too much of a stretch to imagine it could happen. I struggle to see how he survives, mate. I think that was my entire point, though. I think you were right. I think after half an hour, I had Southampton take, because Southampton never actually took the lead. So that's why that game was weird. We somehow took the lead twice, and it, it just it, it killed the momentum of of the, of the anti-Bruce sentiment to, to some extent. And I think... All I'm saying is, I think the same could happen if we somehow, because you know Leeds have had a had a, a difficult start as well. They haven't won a game, um, albeit they've, 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 well, they took a hammer off Man U as we as did we, and they took a hammer off Chelsea the day no uh, Liverpool. Um, the uh, difference being that they're still scoring goals. Um, they just they don't look as bad as us, but they they still might come to St James's Park a bit more nervous, a bit more reserved than they did last time when they came and blew us out of the water. So it, we we can still win this game, and we can still start well and take the lead, in which case I think that would put us in the exact same position as we did for Southampton, which was that the the moment wasn't right for that massive explosion at Steve Bruce, which I, I agree could happen at any time, but all I'm saying is that it could be dissuaded by one goal to us to take the lead again. I think looking at longer term in terms of how the crowd react towards Bruce and whether that makes his position untenable. I think my concerns are that, all right, we haven't really been in a situation where, you know, such toxicity has been, um, you know, visited on the manager so early on in the season. Um, Hull City at home was because of Keegan Sacken, right? That was one of the most toxic environments I think, you know, we've probably ever been in, right? And that clearly had an impact on, on, on the, on the pitch. Um, I can only compare it ultimately to to Steve McLaren. I know Steve McLaren didn't get grief because you know he wasn't there long enough, um, and it never became kind of nasty towards him. But 
I'm talking about the lessons that the club are supposed to learn, right? It was quite obvious to all fans from like November, really, probably even October under McLaren, that was going to be a struggle, right? It was going to be a struggle to stay in the league. And that's what transpired, right? And to us, it's quite obvious now. My concern is, is that the club will see the booing and think well, it doesn't matter because we've stayed up for the last two seasons. So we don't really care what the booing's about. We don't care. And, and that's the issue. So untenable to us, yes. But you have to remember, this is Mike Ashley and Lee Charney taking the decisions. So for me, I don't think five games into a season they would sack a manager. I think it would take like it, it would take like three months at least for them to even contemplate doing it. That, that's how I feel right now. I hope I'm wrong, but I can only base how I feel on 14 years of kind of watching Newcastle United under Mike Ashley and then Lee Charnley, obviously, together with them. I don't. I I agree, Norman. Um, I hope you're wrong, but I agree. But I think I think this Friday night could be the turning point for for Bruce himself to think that he's had enough and it's not worth the hassle anymore. Um, and I, I know he's. Well, that's the hope, isn't it? That he he himself just yeah that that would be that would take the decision out of Ashley and Charlie's hands, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. For, it would force them to make a decision that they don't that they never want to do, um, and it would also save them a fortune, which is all they really care about. Um, but you know, Bruce could be staring down the barrel of like fifteen thousand people screaming at him for the best part of two hours on a Friday night. Like, who who genuinely wants that? And he's going to know if that's the way it goes. He's going to know that it's that it's likely going to continue like that until he leaves because he'll know as well as we do he has to that it's not going to get significantly better under him two things one i think that um incorrectly bruce thinks he's better than than what we're getting i think he thinks he's capable of turning this round none of us believe that none of us think i've seen anything over the last two that's 15 years of his managerial career to suggest that he is capable of doing anything more than getting lucky again which is the only way he's keeping us at the season um however i do not think he will resign i think it's no longer about uh, his belief in the position. I think he's probably a cigarette and he's ready to go. I, I don't even think he cares about the potential. Is it £4 million is the mooted fee it would, uh, he would get for for being sacked? I don't think it's about the £4 million. I think it, he has also come to the conclusion that Lee Charnley and Mike Ashley are assholes and that he wants them to have to do that and to pay him £4 million, which I can kind of sadistically agree with. I think he's right. He should get four million off them because they're pricks. I just um it's that weird thing of I think he's now waiting to be sacked and he's like, go on then, I dare you. I'll, I'll take me four million and you just can fuck off. We will be back to talk about the actual match um right after these Americanized messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
It's part two, True Faith Podcast preview Newcastle United versus Leeds. And what's going to happen, lads? Well, well I'm interested in your opinion. Uh, Rumours of Joe Willock being injured. We'll just treat them as that at the minute. We'll not take it as gospel mankio as well. Leeds is interesting for me because they were kind of a, a barometer of how bad we were last season despite finishing, um, you know, uh, the Champions League position of 12th, according to some, you know, the way they go on about 12th place. It's like, well, we literally won the league, finishing 12th. What do you, what more, what Excuse more? Me, the last nine, yeah. last nine games, Alex. <laughs> yeah, top six form of the last yeah. nine games. So someone needs to tell West Ham they've taken our Europe League spot. Um, six in the form table. Put it on your mantelpiece. Um, but we played Leeds last, twice last season. We went into them in the away game in December in kind of good form. We'd just beaten Palace and West Brom. We then got a shite draw against... Fulham and lost to Brentford. So Leeds was the game where it all fell apart, really, I think, uh, remembering back. And uh, God did it fall apart. It was twos each for a while, but Leeds, Leeds just tore apart. We played, that was the first game, and it was actually a back four. He played Jacob Murphy at right back, and um, Marcelo Bielsa um, ruthlessly targeted that side of the pitch. In fact, both fullbacks, Lewis and Murphy that night, just got rinsed repeatedly, were both responsible for goals. And uh, Bruce has stood there at full-time blaming the defence. Um, shouldn't have played a fucking midfielder at right-back, mate. But we don't learn those lessons, it would seem. Um, then in the home game, he started Isaac Hayden at centre-back, where we've seen that before. Um, and he started Murphy at right full-back. And after, I think, about 26 minutes, he had to ditch that formation. We, we were talking at the time consistently, that formation doesn't work, the five at the back doesn't work, we're getting beat every week, we're not having... This was the period when, until the Leeds game, we just weren't even having shots. <laughs> weren't even having shots on target and go, we're going games and games and games without even having a shot on target. Um, this is all in the glorious 12th. This is something different, sorry. That was all in that season. Um, I didn't mean to make that joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, So Bruce plays Leeds in January. We'll have to ditch the formation. I'm interested to see, lads, how he's going to play on... Friday night because if he plays the same like surely we cannot have a repeat like if we I, I'm just going to have to self-combust if we're if, we're, if, if like 26 minutes in it's gone so badly that he has to change formation because because Bielsa Bielsa ruthlessly expo- exploits opposition deficiencies he's, he's, he's a coach it's what he's good at his team tend to play the same way but if we if we line up with Jacob Murphy again and Isaac Hayden in defence you know Cristiano Ronaldo could have driven a um, 70 ton truck through the gap between them for a second goal Bielsa will exploit that so if we have to change formation again it's like what am I doing here what what are we what are we watching just the same mistakes on loop do any of you lads think there will be anything different about the setup against Leeds particularly since Leeds have basically got no centre backs particularly since they've looked particularly fragile defensively are we going to get Dwight Gale are we going to get four at the back with wingers or are we going to get Five at the back, St. Maximan playing as a centre forward, and Joe Linton just just doing a Joe Linton. I don't know who wants to uh, who wants to talk about this one. Hundred percent, we are getting option three there. <laughs> I I think I think because and he keeps saying it. To be fair, he thinks we're playing all right and that the results will come. Um, and I think he's terrified of of changing it as he did at, at really terrible. Uh, timings uh, previously then you do it before Leicester as well where yeah. alright five of the backs not working we'll, we'll go to Leicester away who are, who are banging them in at the minute that's the time to try a new defensive lineup, and we've got batted Look, got it batted. doesn't work everyone was asking us to do it and it doesn't work we'll be 5-0 no I unfortunately think 
We'll see more of the same. I, th- I think he doesn't know what else to do. I think he will be scared of Leeds doing the same and will think that, therefore, you have to play five defenders to stop them from scoring five goals. So I'm convinced this is, he won't this change is, it. This, therefore, side takes us back to part one in the conversation. <laughs> if we if we turn up against a Leeds team who haven't won a game this season, who aren't that good anyway, who don't have a better squad than us, and plays five at the back and gives them 70% of the ball, like, I, d- I just... Maybe I'm wrong, and we're going to find out soon enough. I cannot see how he thinks that will go anything other than disastrously. We need a result. We need a result, but but he needs a performance. I don't. I don't think the crowd are going to stay with the team. Just say a win with an 80th minute winner. I don't think they're going to stay with the team while Carl Dollar or Freddie Woodman pulls off save after save and needs missed chance after. Like I don't know if I'm making sense here, but like it just it just that isn't an option it, it it is not an option and even if he wants to turn around before I bring Mickey in at the end of the game and say well you know the fans want to stick with the team or, or have some sort of veiled dig like he does I genuinely feel like 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 Steve you're playing a lead side who are shot in confidence they've had one of their best players um is injured in Urente I think they've got hardly any centre-backs they had the lads sent off against uh, Liverpool, so that, that they're missing players. Like, what an opportunity! Like, if he can't grasp this opportunity and think, you know what, we're going to get into these tonight, that regardless of the result, we are like, it's over. We're fucked, Mickey. I've got a feeling we might see something very slightly different. I can't believe I'm saying it, but not for the reasons you've just said. Not for any of the sensible reasons that that, that a normal Premier League quality manager would would think to exploit an opposition purely because. I think he might start seeing things as a last gamble, a last throw of the dice, and he needs to try and do something different to try and get some people back on side and to avoid the hostility that he, even he, in his stubbornness, will know is coming. So I think we might well see a four at the back and something different beyond that. But what it's going to be, I don't know. Whether it'll work is another question. You know what? To, in, many, in many respects, it doesn't really matter to me what we actually do at the back, whether it's five or four, I think what's important against Leeds is that ASM players on the left-hand side to his correct position because getting ASM running at Luke Allen can can really cause problems. I think bringing in Dwight Gale, I think obviously Willock, be, uh, Willock being fit, Almiron, those, those three driving at that Leeds central defence, right, being allowed to drive at them because Cooper will be the only one who's really a centre-half player and both Gerentier who um, on the Opposition View podcast uh, here, my other Leeds fan said was basically the, the best player. Um, he's missing. Stroke, obviously, the other centre-half is missing. So trying to trying to contain Leeds, trying to just let, allow them to dictate the ball and trying to hit them on the break, to, in many respects, I don't think it's going to work because, look, look, let's say like Everton, right? Everton played against them away. And Everton had 30% of the ball. But they also had more shots on target, um, the same amount of shots, because Everton have got the players and the tactical nous in the manager to allow a, a team like Leeds to dictate the ball, contain them and hit them on the break. We 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 don't have that. If we, if we if we set up to defend against Leeds and hit them on the break, what happens is our defensive line automatically is 10 yards behind the one that Everton played, right? Leeds had four shots on target against Everton. Against those, that'll be like at least double, I would say. At least eight, probably up to ten, because because when we defend, we defend that deeply. So for me, it's almost a case of thinking, well, you know what? We just need to get with, like, it's, it's, it's ridiculously basic as it sounds. We need to get at them where their weaknesses are, as opposed to focusing on, on their strengths and how we can stop them. It's like, get, get, Gale, in the, get Gale in the middle, Willick, Almiron, ASM in his proper position, and just 
just take a chance, take a gamble against it, because ultimately they are gonna they are gonna create chances regardless of whether or not we defend deeply and try and keep them out, or if we play a bit more of an attacking football, they're gonna create chances regardless. So let's say try and use our own impetus and attack them off our, off our own backs by by playing players in their proper positions and kind of playing sensibly in that sense. I, I agree that um Maximan back on the left um gives gives us such a different dynamic just as, as simple a change as that put him in the right position and put gale up front or joe linton and uh, he's, he's he's terrible but he's, he's probably better up front than maximan is um yeah the, the thing maximan on the left gives you is the alien will need help from another defender or one of the midfielders and they'll double up on maximan every time that gives richie if, if, if he's part of a five at the back it gives him the opportunity to get forward and it, it only works if he does do that because the last the biggest frustration against southampton was that Richie and Murphy, who was the other uh, wing-back, weren't playing as wing-backs. They didn't get out of their own half once. In fact, the one time Murphy did get out of his own half, he got an assist. But other than that, he, he just, just camped in, on the edge of his own box. So if Maximan's on the left-hand side and he's running forward at, at Ailing and, I don't know, let's say uh, Rafinha, whoever's on the right, um, that g- it'll create space for um, Richie, which is the way that a 5-3-2 is supposed to work, where your wing-backs can then overlap and get involved in, the, in an attacking play. So it's 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 imperative that Maximan and probably Almiron are playing much wider and and therefore taking some some pressure away from those parts of the pitch to allow wing backs to if if that's what we do I can accept five of the back and I accept five through two. It's only been like a hundred games though, so hasn't it? And it hasn't yet. <laughs> hasn't happened <laughs> once. <laughs> um, Mickey, I'm keen to come to you on this point because it's your you're you're going to match to the first game you've been to this season. Um, first of all, we'll, we'll do a team selection. Um, you know, Hayden and Mankio, let's assume that he's going to keep things the same because that's what he tends to do. You know, Mankio comes in, has a good game, scores a good goal. Hayden's played centre-back. Do you think that, I mean, first of all, we talked about the potential motivations for those terrible changes of the Hayden one. Even though Peter was at the match, said that he thought Hayden had a decent game. Easy for me to disagree because I only saw the highlights and he's at fault for a goal. Um, but... What you know? What do you think about the centre backs for this one? We made a point in the last podcast that Bruce Bruce changes centre backs more than any other position. Now he's got a lot of them, but you know, after Southampton, when Cher plays a crucial part in a goal, bringing the ball out, playing a crossfield pass, it was almost like, well, that makes sense. That's something we can all get behind, even if Shaw's a little bit shy sometimes, like they all are. That's something we can get behind. What do you think he's going to do for this one, and why? To gaze in the mind of Steve Bruce would be a, an absolute pleasure and probably quite frightening. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I, I know what I would do, though. And I, I definitely wouldn't play a centre midfielder at centre-half when you've got a, a fit centre-half on the bench that's at least at least as good at defending as him. A, a, a proper centre-half doesn't allow Ronaldo to score that goal. doesn't matter if they're not very good or not. If you've played centre-half for your whole footballing career, you're closer to him. You, you, you cut off that gap. So it has to be, it has to be a centre-half instead of hitting at centre-half. It, for me, it has to be Shaw. It's the obvious choice, but it, you know it might not be. The big, the big conundrum we've got for team selection for me is right back because what are what are our choices now? If there's five at the back, it's either Murphy who can't do it and is a, is a midfielder, or Kraft who or Mankio. But Mankio, are we assuming that Mankio is not fit? Well, I was going to assume he was fit because there's nothing being said. But yeah, let, let let's speculate. Go on, continue. Right. Well, if if Mankio is fit, it's definitely one thousand percent Mankio because he's the best option by a mile in that position. If he's not. It's one of those two, and both of them are terrible options. And I don't I, that, that seem may seem harsh on Jacob Murphy, but he is not a right back, and he cannot defend. And when we play the 
the five at the back and the system that we do with five at the back as well, which is really quite defensive and has those wide players very, very deep. Jacob Murphy is like the worst option because he can't defend. So that, that yeah. you know, that's, it, it's absolutely dismal. The other, um, the other interesting one is who goes into central midfield if Willock drops out, if he isn't fit. Now I've read today that he's trained so there's a decent chance he might. And well, if he's trained, Brucey will not only have him in the 90, he'll have him doing trotter runs for like <laughs> every hour until it, because it doesn't matter if you've got a niggle, Callum Wilson, you're playing against Southampton. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think we can probably safely assume that he is going to play. Maybe he shouldn't, but probably is. If he's not, we're looking down, we're looking at a Hayden, Longstaff, Almiron, three in the middle, aren't we? And that's, that's going to do nothing to Leeds. I want to bring in Norman a second. Um, the interesting thing is, is Jeff Hendrick comes on for the last five against Man United and Bruce Bruce does do that a little bit. He does kind of think, well, I'll bring this player on, I'll introduce him, I'll get him back part of the group and I, and I do feel Hendrick scored against Leeds. I think he started both games against Leeds last season. Don't so, say it. So Bruce might. We, we talked about him potentially starting against Man United just to kick Ronaldo up the bum. Didn't. <laughs> no one did. Norman? Uh, just the thought of Jeff Hendrick there, mate, makes me um, think it might be worth getting a refund on that train ticket. Um, <laughs> I think I think the issue with not playing Hayden in midfield in this particular match is Calvin Phillips. Um, he basically is, he dictates for Leeds really from uh, how how they kind of played out from the back. Right, we, we see for England as well. He's he's absolutely like the epitome of a box to box midfielder, and I feel that without Hayden in midfield, Phillips will have just. He'll just have too much space. I think the only player who can really track Phillips in terms of his energy and his movement, don't get me wrong, he'd probably pick up an early yellow card, but uh, which might be costly. But I think without Hayden in there, I, I genuinely think that Phillips is going to have far too much of a free reign. In fact, in fact, on many levels, I think just getting Hayden to sit on Phillips for, for most of the game would would debilitate them, you know, qu- quite quite a bit. Um, but. Giving him the freedom in midfield with Mickey Almiron, Joe Willock and Sean Longstaff, I, I think that could be very problematic and, and very problematic early on in the game. The obvious solution for me there is you, you take Hayden out of defence and put him in midfield. So you have three central midfielders and you only have two centre-halves and you just say to Hayden, you just, you just stop them playing, which is all he's good at anyway when he's playing in central midfield, if we're quite honest about it. But that's just such an obvious solution. It, it won't be what we do. But that, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Like playing him at centre half, losing him as a centre midfielder, it it's the very risky policy, isn't it? When you when you, as I see, you've got someone like Phillips in in midfield for them. The problem is he's, he's he's going to have to. Sorry, Doug. Um, he's going to have to man mark like six people. Like Stuart Dallas is a threat. He scored like eight goals last season. Um, they've got like three attack midfielders, and it's going to be Hayden's job to man mark all of them out of the game. So, you might you might be onto something with with the Hendrick thing because um. If, he, if there's one use for him, it could just be to hoe him in to do a job. Um, I'm sure, Norm, I don't know if you did that particular podcast, but Andy Griffin told us about the times when Robson, and I'm not comparing Bruce to Robson, mm-hmm. but he would randomly just bring him in out of the cold to, to do a job on a particular player, um, and that would be someone who just needs a good kick up the arse. Um, so it's possible. And to be fair, but the only way we're winning games like this at the minute is if we start showing a bit of grit, start giving teams a bit of a kicking, because we're a bit too nice. Um, so that's that's the only job I can see Hendrik maybe doing for us, and there might be something in that because there's, there's just too much for Hayden to do here. Well, Hendrik played against Burnley in the League Cup, but it did, it did seem like his sole job was just to just to commit fouls, um, which really wound up <laughs> Burnley players and Sean Dyche, probably because he used to play for them as well. 
So he has been given that job already this season. Um, just interesting two points. Um, you, you know, Norman on, on Hayden and, and, and Simon Hayden, where he's got to be. You saw the Fernandez goal on Saturday was basically because Hayden wasn't there and the rest of the midfield didn't decide to close him down. Like, I'm sick of seeing Newcastle concede brilliant goals. Stuart Dallas last season against us at St. James's with the winner scored a screamer, but but Hayden had been played right back in a back four at that point, thanks, Steve, um, <laughs> and just wasn't there. And so it's like, yeah, it's a great goal, but the, the, when he scored it, he was just he had about 20 yards free space. Like, most professional footballers will score if completely unchallenged. Mickey, really quickly, because we've got to move on to part three of the show, we'll talk a bit more about Leeds. Um, Woodman, Woodman or Darlow, what do you think is going to happen after after the Mayors on Saturday? It's difficult to say because you don't know what Darlow's been training like after he's had the virus. Um, well, well, Bruce was saying he was, pre-Man United, I think he said he was ready He's ready to play. Yeah, but I don't believe anything he says. Um, <laughs> it's it's really harsh and probably destroyed Woodman's confidence if he comes out of the team. But and I, I don't think I don't think Bruce would do that to him. So I think we're likely to see Woodman. I think if I was making the decision, I would uh, I'd pick Darlow. I mean, you know, it's an opinion. It's an opinions podcast. All opinions welcome. But uh, you know, Florian Lejeune against Leicester makes two mistakes, leads to two goals. You're never playing again. <laughs> you literally. Never playing again. I'll bring you on against Everton in the 90th minute, so score two goals. But before that and after that, you're never playing again. And also, um, Darlow last season, like as soon as he made a mistake, he was like, it's almost like Bruce was like praying Darlow was going to make a mistake to bring back to Bradford. And I'm not saying it's the wrong call, but I just think Bruce has got a form for Marty Longstaff. Fucking hell, Mickey. I mean, we could be here a while now. Marty Longstaff, Matt, you're not going to play a minute of Premier League football all season. We've got uh, Man City, Liverpool and Leicester inside six days. You're going to play all three and then you're not going to kick a ball for the rest of the season. <laughs> like This is Bruce's forte. I was just about to say, the only thing that should be, I, I think Darlow should probably come back in the team just because of, I mean, Woodman's confidence would be rock bottom, but what Bruce should be doing is saying, look, it's been tough. It's not been your fault, but I'm going to just take out the firing line here, give you a chance to regroup, give Darlow a few games, and then we'll 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 find a... We'll find a place for you, but he won't do that. He won't, he'll be he'll bottle it. He'll probably just put the team on the wall and say, "Right, there's the team for Friday, lads." And he won't have he won't say one word to Woodman because isn't that allegedly what happened with Darlow? Yeah, yeah, and, and the press found out before Darlow did. <laughs> Fucking hell, yeah. these, these podcasts are like therapy. It's all these things that you've suppressed in the back of your brain, and and all of a sudden they're coming out again. Mickey, who like who would you play? I'll play Darlow. You play Darlow. He's a better keeper. Yeah, Norman. Mark Gillespie. <laughs> <laughs> no, truth, truthfully, truthfully, I, I would, I would, I would stick with Woodman because um, I think dropping him after that game on Saturday, when you know he has he's made errors, right? He could have done better. Massive game away to Man United, Little Trafford, young keeper in front of a probably the third defence he's played in front of, behind this season, right? Um, I think this represents a better opportunity for us to win than away to Man United. So I'd be prepared to take the risk of getting that win in order to boost his confidence. As, as mad of a gamble as that might seem, it's a Steve Bruce-esque gamble, he could say. But um, I, I don't think there's that much difference between Darlene Woodman other than Premier League experience, ultimately. So I'd be prepared to keep faith with Woodman for this particular match. So I was going to come to you, but you'd already said Darlene. So we will move on to part three right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part three, final part of the show this week, the preview of Newcastle United against Leeds. Norman, you did a podcast on Patreon with a good friend of yours who is a Leeds fan, goes to the matches, been following them for a long time. Where do you think, from your chat with him, which people can listen to on Patreon, where do you think Leeds are coming into this game? What what kind of mindset are they in? Obviously, having a great start of the season. How would you analyse Leeds coming into this one, mate? I think the start of the season is irrelevant to how the fans are feeling overall because obviously, much like us under the previous manager, that belief's there, right? You, they just, you just know that it's going to be all right ultimately because the manager's too good for it not to be. Um, I think con- if you look at it in context, you know, you're looking at um, Man United away, Liverpool home. Both both sides are going to finish probably top four this season. Liverpool likely to challenge for the title. Man U maybe will challenge for the title. Um, Everton at home... Everton, who are a different beast to what they're probably going to be, you know, for the last well, they have been for the last few seasons. They've got a draw, pulsating game, really good game of football. Um, and then Burnley away, the draw it's a Premier League game away where you haven't lost. They come back from a goal down. They played really well after Burnley scored. Um, so I think it, to look at it as two draws from four opening games, it, it doesn't really reflect, I guess, um, the impact that the not winning side on the team. I don't think there's a, a lack of confidence there. Um, they got tanked against Liverpool and against Man U, but they get tanked against these kind of teams because they take a risk, right? They attack these teams, which always leaves them vulnerable to conceding against brilliant teams, which Liverpool and Man U are brilliant because the players are brilliant. Um, so the fans aren't panicking. Well, mate, I'm seeing the fans. You know, my mate isn't exactly represent a 40,000 people, but that, that's, his, that's his feeling on it. And um, I think... The big issue for them is obviously, as we've mentioned, Stroke and Gerenti are being out. Gerenti is really important to them. But I think the optimism generated by the signing of James. For example, James came on for Harrison the other day. However, he could start with both of them because I think both play that flank. Both are really direct, really dynamic, will cause trouble. Um, and I think Hema, my Leeds friend, was mentioning that Rodrigo was actually brought in as a replacement for Bamford because they didn't think Bamford would cut it at the Premier League level. And I think a lot of people thought that I certainly did, yet he seems to have done so. So Rodrigo hasn't had a chance to establish himself, but it's it's just the fact that they've got that they've got that kind of competition, that strength there, right? So I don't think there's any any concern among Leeds fans that they're not going to finish comfortably in this season, um, like like they did last. Um, I think ultimately ambitions wise, Mahima definitely thinks that they they've got the tools to make a challenge for the for the top eight. Um, so this game will definitely be one that they're looking at as fans, and, and obviously Bielsa. Um, is is a one that the ought to be winning. I listened to a Leeds podcast to kind of find out a little bit, and the, the comment on Newcastle was number one. They thought Andy Carroll was going to start. They're going to get a <laughs> surprise. Um, and number two, they basically just went Newcastle are crap. We've got to beat, them. which I can't really disagree. <laughs> if you've got designs on the top eight and you haven't won yet any of your first four, then we are the, we are we are the dream fixture, and that's why I think Newcastle need a performance, and I think they have to recognise that Leeds are. Potentially vulnerable um, in terms of the defence. You know, Bielsa's, you know what formation, you know how Bielsa's going to play. He doesn't have a change. He can play 4 1 4 1, which morphs into a 3 
three one three. I think um, in you know when they're attacking, um, and, and and we should be able, and the lad should have been able if Bruce turned up the training this week to, to 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 write. This is how Leeds are going to play. This is how we are going to stop them playing. Like you alluded to before, Norman Asai. I can't remember who made the point. There is no need for us to just react to what Leeds are going to do. Um, I don't know whether Sai, have you got any particular decent memories of Leeds United at home? I mean, what was you haven't played them for a long time, but from the past? Nah, only bad ones. <laughs> uh, my my first season, ones. my first season with a season ticket, oh two oh three. I at that point in my life, I was twelve, I think, at the start of the season. Um, I had never seen Newcastle lose at St James's. I'd handpicked cup games and UEFA Cup games and stuff, and I'd never seen them lose. I thought I had some sort of like magical spell. Um, and the, the first game that season, we beat West Ham 4-0, and I was in bloody uh, Alcudia or something with my mum and dad. Um, so I came back, first game of my season, my season ticket, right, sit down, we got beat 2-0 off Leeds. And it was the, the first time I'd seen Newcastle lose ever at St. James's Park. And I was like, what, what, what's this, this What's this weird feeling? I think Viduka and Smith scored, like classic Leeds of the time. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't, I've got no fond memories of Leeds and St. James's Park, just that one forever buried oh, in my ear. Uh, in my mind. We played well um, that night. I think we dominated the game. We did. I've got a very positive memory. That match, that 2-0 defeat, uh, I watched it in a bar in Valencia. It was uh, a very odd game. In fact, that was the start of Leeds falling down the precipice, wasn't it? Venables as manager, always a bad sign. Um, and uh, I think they, they narrow, narrowly avoided relegation that season and then tanked it the next season, didn't they, before they went into the abyss for a bit. But main, I've mentioned it so many times, so many times, 1989-90 season, women did the season, 5-2 win. Boom, Leeds favoured for the... Um, World Division 2 title and Mickey Quinn got four. Absolutely spectacular day out in the sunshine. Let's get we'll get we'll get that again tomorrow. Five two. Easy. We'll get four. Four from um, <laughs> four from Willock to bring his uh, average up to four and four. Thought you were gonna say from uh Joe Linton, but but obviously you wouldn't have meant goals. It's like what are the Joe Linton I'm fans? Four 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 positive carries in a northerly direction or whatever fucking stats he gets <laughs> accoladed with. Um, Mickey, any Leeds memories? None at all, I'm <laughs> afraid. But yeah, hopefully we're going to make a new one on Friday because when I said I was going to this game, you promised me. and You said the words, I promise. It's going to be Steve Bruce's last game. Did I? I did. So you, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> um, yeah, um, maybe I need to get on to Mark Douglas at the Chronicle and say, oh, Mark, you, you control us. You control the fan base. Get this bloke out. Um, I remember Leeds at home um, 2001-2 when I think Leeds turned up top of the league uh, against us. Uh, we'd just lost it. We'd just beaten Arsenal, lost then lost to Chelsea at home, which is very disappointing. Beaten Middlesbrough, I think, in this like very crazy uh, Christmas period. And then we played Leeds just after losing to Chelsea 2-1 at home. And we played all right again that day. And then... Um, were absolutely class, beating three one. The the pitch was like it was like playing on a cabbage patch. But it didn't no one but no one complained about those things back then. And they won three one and Kieran Dyer was class and that was a really, really good night. I remember also the the last time we played them at home in front of fans in the championship season we played well as well. Gufran um hit the bar from about thirty five yards, which he also did that season against Brighton, dead unlucky to not score either of those outrageous shots. And then um who was it who was in the corner? Was it was it Mitrovic? Who <laughs> instead of trying to take the ball into the corner, tried to take the ball towards the goal when it was in the corner, were conceded the <laughs> conceded possession. And five seconds later, Leeds had scored a ninety fourth minute equaliser. 
which um, I think we might. I don't think we could have got promoted that game. But if we if we'd won that game, we would have needed a point possibly at Ipswich on Monday, which we went to me and Norman, and um, we lost that as well. So it was a really shit four days. <laughs> Just talking myself in a negative negative spiral here. Um, I'll get some predictions then, lads. Make your start with you. I think we're going to lose three 0 Oh, Bruce's last game. Sai. Two two one leads. I think we'll. Nah, I think I think they'll take the lead. We'll equalise and then we'll concede another daft goal, and that'll be an implosion and hopefully the end of Bruce. So that is identical to what happened in January against the same opposition. So it's happened before. Uh, Norman, I'm going to go for a a hanging Aston Villa under Graham Souness take one all draw. <laughs> I think that. Bruce has Bruce. Bruce pulls out results. Remember when we lost when we lost that Leeds game, right? And we were ridiculing him about positives and all this kind of stuff. We went to Everton at the weekend and won in just the most ridiculous fashion. It was just like it didn't make any sense that we'd gone to Everton, who were like fourth at the time, and uh, and won two nil. But 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 he did change the formation for that Everton game. He kind of didn't. He, he followed through from the Leeds game and changed formation, and we won. Um, so, so I think Bruce pulls out a result. I think just because of the way things go, I think we'll win this game 2-1. Two, two, um, I don't think we'll play well. I think we'll win the game 2-1 though because Leeds miss lots and lots of chances. And I think Sai probably called it earlier on in the show. If we take the lead in the game, because there's so many Leeds fans there, because you might have to wear a stab vest, to get in the ground because there's loads of Leeds fans there like kicking off and all that then people people just be up for it it's just going to be a raucous atmosphere if we take the lead and St Maximan does some nice things uh, I think we we'll, we might just shade this one 2-1 one. so I'll be the positive one it's been the True Faith Podcast thank you very much for listening thanks to you lads for, for taking part we'll be back Saturday morning with the free podcast Norman travelling to Newcastle for this game so we're going to record Saturday morning with him in our studio for the free podcast and uh, there'll be lots to talk about like I said at the start of the show you can get this show every single week this match preview which we always do before every single Newcastle United first team fixture uh, on our Patreon platform £5.50 a month for lots and lots of podcasts no adverts in them would love you to join us thanks very much ta-da without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.